Again, a welcome to all the parents, family that are visiting. A blessing to welcome you into the Newman Center. I'm Father John Rutten, the uh, priest chaplain here at the Newman Center. Been here a year, so uh, just getting feet wet, but enough. I now know some lay of the land, which has been good. Uh, one lay of the land last year I didn't quite uh, follow through on. I didn't I think you'll all be fine, but that wall as you come in has spots for prayer intentions and you guys all filled up so many prayer intentions and there's this little note that says the priest takes them and burns them in the incense and da da sounds really really holy and really really awesome I didn't do it once but I did collect them (laughs) I just didn't know how to get them into that thurible the thing says put them in the thurible Right? So I just burned them on my own. <laughs> but I had this great idea. Let's have a big bonfire. Let's burn them. And, uh, and it just never happened. And sometimes our best intentions, as you all know, don't come to fruition. But the thing that moves us and propels us is of God. And it's a beautiful way to call each of us to make concrete our desire from God. Right? To write on a piece of paper, to take pen in hand and to say, this is what I want of you, Lord. Right? It's why we come here to Mass, to offer thanksgiving and to ask for grace, but to make it concrete. And I love that wall. Uh, but the other day I just thought to myself, you know, we don't do the offertory here at the Newman Center, uh, but these are our offertories. So I have collected all of them, right? And all of your prayer requests are right here. And so now every once in a while we'll bring these to Mass. And then I won't worry about the burning and we'll make sure that they're destroyed so nobody finds them. I mean, your name's not on them. So. Uh, but this is the place in which we come together. But concretely now you can know the desire I had has been prayed for and we have united it to Christ in the Mass. So, uh, in, today, uh, a, in today's age, there is a lot of correction of people, right? We don't necessarily always do it in person, but... Social media and things like that are sort of always correcting. And I don't know about you, but it's easy to fall in the habit that even if we don't uh, like or not like or comment or correct through social media, it sort of builds up in us this mentality of like everything. Oh, I don't agree with that. And I don't like this. They should do this. um, And it's always been a part of our journey, even if maybe it's magnified today. When I was a new priest, I was sent to Yankton, South Dakota and... There at Sacred Heart Parish, uh, I kind of was just getting my feet wet and uh, meeting people. And then I ended up having another group of friends that lived in town. And they were sort of not all Catholic. Some of them were, some of them weren't. Some of them had long histories of interesting stories of life and some were more normal. And, uh, and in that dynamic, of being outside of the parish, this one guy from the parish would always use the Lord's name in vain. Always. Constantly. And it grated on me. I was surprised even to realize, I can't believe this bothers me. (laughs) Ten years ago, I'd have been the one doing it. But this bothers me. Like, why? And I just wanted to... Maybe like you want to do with your roommate. We all have people in our lives where we think this isn't what you should be doing. 
right? Maybe when you were in high school, your parents told you every so often, this isn't what you should be doing. The challenge for us is to expand the measure by with which we apply that. It is true. Every person, no matter what, has a way in which they understand the world should operate. Every person, whether they're a believing Christian or not, whether they're anybody, thinks, no, it should be like this. And even people who are really laissez-faire and, oh, everything's fine. uh, If you get down to it, uh, I can promise you, even they think, well, but people shouldn't do that. Something inside us says there needs to be an order. The important part is that we're willing to expand the content with which we make that order possible. And in today's reading, we have this recognition. This is Jesus, right? In the first reading through the prophet Ezekiel, but in, in the gospel, this is Jesus who is saying, this is how you should order things. Right? It's not the Catholic Church, or it's not mom and dad, or it's not Father John. No, this is Jesus, the God who people had been longing for forever. He comes down and he says, okay, remember those things that came down from the mountain with Moses? I meant it. And then in the gospel, he kind of doubles down, right? What is Jesus always? He's always talking about the Pharisees and and all these people, right? And Jesus even says, okay, if they don't listen to you, treat them like the people you cast out. This is Jesus, right? So to expand our ability to account for how is it we decide what it is that makes for human flourishing, what it is that's good and bad, what it is that's right and wrong, what it is that's just and unjust, what it is that's mercy and a lack of mercy. And so as we do this, we can account, and he gives us the key, love. Love is the key. Right? Love is the ultimate key. But love is not sentimentality. Right? We, we listen to all of the other stuff. So when we hear love, my guess is we first think like, oh, be nice, kind, don't hurt. No, love is not sentimentality. Love is to want the good of the other. Right? Love is mom and dad saying, you shouldn't do that. Love is laying forth an order to things that's bigger. And how does he help us do that? He says, think of the other person like yourself. Okay? And that's one way to expand, to think of the other person as yourself. And if you do that, you'll realize, oh, okay, uh, if I need to have a conversation with somebody, imagine me in their shoes, right? That's a very common, that's a great image the culture really promotes. That's a good one. Like, think of yourself in their shoes, and then how would you go about this? It's a way to expand. Then it's not just self-centered, just my way, just me wanting to do it. Okay? And if you've done that, you know when you think of this, you sort of adjust the way you're going to go about it. It sort of lightens the thing up. It sort of takes the hard edges off. It sort of gets to the real point. Okay? And then we can go even wider and we say, well, if I was in God's shoes, and widen even more to understand that he wants something that is more than what we could think of. I did this in a way the other day uh, um, in regard to like the name of God, right? You shouldn't use the Lord's name in vain. And it kind of seems like me. Ah, okay, I guess I can see. And then like parse, well, is it using it this time? Is that what the commandment means? Or is it using it like, like what's the spectrum with which 
I fall into a sin by using... Okay. I don't think he's here, right? We have a couple of Muslim friends, and one of them I had lunch with yesterday, last week after Mass. And, and in a conversation, just having a conversation, uh, he says, well, God doesn't have a name. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Muslims uh, uh, refer to God by his attributes. So God is merciful. God is almighty. God is like, right? But you don't name God because he is like, right? To name someone is to have control over them, to have power, to be able to identify. You don't name God. And the minute he said this, I was like, Do we understand the privilege that we know the name of God? Do we understand the incredible? And why would we need to know him? Because to know one by name is to have the capacity for friendship. You don't have friendship with anyone that you don't know their name, right? And if you don't want to have friendship, you're not interested in their name. But increasingly, knowing the person goes deeper than their name and you almost know their attributes. And the attributes become more an ability to know the identity of the person. But you begin by knowing the name. And here, talking to somebody, by me expanding my understanding of why the commandment would be one of the commandments, here I am, I understand what a privilege I have. And what's the, then the next consequence of realizing the privilege to know in faith that God is the person of Jesus Christ. And then I can say, Jesus, in relationship to my God, he's so close He's so humble, he allows me, in a sense, to have control. And in this dynamic, suddenly it occurs to me, how holy is your name? See, by expanding myself, even into somebody of a different faith, I then can understand. It doesn't mean that love means, oh, no, you don't have to worry about that. It means expand yourself to understand why would God say this? And sometimes we don't understand why the church is asking something of us or why our families are asking something of us or why the university is asking something for us. And we can dig in our heels and just say, well, I'm right. Or we can just do social media back and forth. Or we can say, Lord, What is it that you're asking of me? And what do we see in the gospel? We see in the gospel that the Lord is asking for prayer as a part of this, right? The Lord is asking for a path that opens up. The Lord is recognizing things take time. And sometimes maybe we have a right disposition before the objective nature of things, but we just need to be patient, Oh, well, now you're asking me for something I don't want to do, right? Who in their midst of a circumstance that they don't like wants patience? No, let's just move on. So much good can come when we allow ourselves to open up that dynamic, to have the whole of life. And then what can we do? We can say, ah, in regard to the other person that maybe I am called to correct, right? Maybe right now is not the time. And then I can think, oh yeah, there's plenty of time. Or maybe I can see, uh, maybe there's a different way it's going to come about. And if I just begin to pray, 
right? One of the things that always amazes me is that when I pray for something and it happens, I mean, I should be, I'm like, I don't know, I've been doing this thing for 18 years now and it's still, I'm like, oh my gosh, it works. I should be praying more often, right? What do I think? No, I'm going to go fix this. I'm going to go do this. Instead of first, what the Lord is saying, hey, pray about it. Come together and pray. And in this way, we begin to know the conclusion of what the gospel says is the point of all of this ordering isn't that Christianity becomes something in which we live by a set of rules. The point and the essence of Christianity is he is here. The one who created you, the one who you will live with forever, the one who wants your joy and happiness and peace now, the one who is going to give life purpose and meaning, the one who is going to use you in ways you can't even comprehend yet, is here. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am with you. Sometimes the provocation by other people's circumstances, the most important thing we can do is think of the other like ourselves. And each person sitting here in the pew is a sinner seeking salvation. And we may have different awarenesses of how that can happen, but there's no one here that doesn't want more goodness in your life. There's no one here that isn't saying, wow, I wish peace invaded my whole day. There's no one here who doesn't need God to come down among us and do something more than what we can collectively do. We're here, even if just in a little way, by our presence to say, we believe that God has come down to us in friendship. Let us open a space for that awareness. Let us ask for the grace that that recognition might be true for us today. And if it is, you can be sure you will see it happen in your experience. About a year of putting up with this friend of mine. After one mass, I remember it was bright and sunny. The grass was super green. We were standing right on the boulevard, the street curb next to me. And I remember this moment opening up in this conversation with this man who had driven me crazy for 12 months. And it was like, I just had this intuition. Say something right now. And so I said, hey, you know, I've often wondered why you use the Lord's name so much when we're together with that group. I do? 
He said, Oh, I suppose I do. I never heard him use the Lord's name in vain the rest of the days that I knew him. We are called to correct our brothers and sisters. We are called to lift people in love to something higher than often where we are right now. Let us expand our ability to do so by recognizing that God is first here. And in time, he will show us how it is we are to do what he asks us to do.